And probably the worst thing which can happen is that your documentation is lying to you. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Beam Radio. Welcome back to Beam Radio. I'm Steven Nunez, and I'm really, really excited about today's topic. But before we get started, I want to introduce our panelists. I have Lars Vickman. Hello. And Bruce Tate. Hello from Central Michigan. Now, we've put a hold on the Process Mailbox questions for a little bit, but we want you to start sending them in again. So if you have questions for the panel, uh, for the group, uh, go ahead and send us a message on Twitter, at BeamRadio1 with the hashtag process mailbox. And if we pick your question, you get a shirt. Um, today, our host is Lars. Um, so I'm gonna let, Lar let Lars take it away. Yeah, so <clears throat> I've been uh, hassling Michal Muscala to come on the show every now and then for a long time, but he's sort of off deep in the bowels of WhatsApp and Meta at this point. I don't think we can reach him anymore. But every now and then he checks in with me and like, I think this person on this team should probably be on your show. And this was one of those cases. So he brought up some very interesting work that's happening at WhatsApp and that's being open sourced. And he introduced me to Ilya. And I'll let you run run us through your surname all on your own uh so i don't yeah. screw it up but uh welcome to the show William. yeah hello i'm Ilya klushnikov hello from london uh, welcome aboard um we usually start by letting our guests tell us a little bit about how they got into the beam and i'd be curious to hear your story there yeah, so my story would be, and I'm looking at Bruce State. I think my first encounter with Beam and Erlang happened because of uh, one of the books, Seven Languages in Seven Weeks, uh, almost 10 years ago. Yeah, so thank you, Bruce, for this. And uh, I really love uh, reading such books. So this was my first meet with Erlang. Uh, 10 years ago. Uh, then I went into different journeys. And three years ago, uh, working at Meta, I joined WhatsApp. And after this, uh, I returned back to Erlang. So in WhatsApp, I'm part of a development infrastructure team. Uh, we are responsible for happiness of our Erlang programmers inside WhatsApp. Uh, we're responsible for IDE, we're responsible for CI and other infrastructural parts. And last three years, I'm totally busy with uh, Erlang, Beam, and other things. So this is how it happened for me. That's very cool. Uh, very nice to see uh, see a direct connection to our OG host here. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fascinating for me to hear you say that. I, I had no idea that that was true, um, that about uh, that that you'd followed um, seven languages in seven weeks. But one of the things that's interesting about that book is it has this journey from object oriented to functional, but also from dynamic to typed. And, and for you to be um, on the show talking about your journey from, you know, from from the you know dynamically typed to typed is is really 
um, pretty exciting for me right now. Yeah, and I think not only this, but uh, looking at Groxio and and, <clears throat> and I took uh, some courses on Groxio. Uh, it's the same. Uh, it's the same experiences that uh, you have. You have. Uh, you have a course on Pony, and Pony is very very strongly typed. Uh, let's say version of B in a sense. So on Groxia, you can uh, you can see all the spectrum of what you can do uh, with Beam-like languages or Erlang-like languages. So once again, about Bruce. I swear I didn't set this up to to just boost you, man. But maybe it's a good timing. All right, and this actually sets us up quite nicely to introduce what we're actually talking about because we haven't mentioned that yet but equalizer it's a static type checking tool for erlang if i'm not mistaken that's yes. my understanding of it so what is equalizer and how did it come about Ilya? yeah so <clears throat> i think probably uh i can start with motivation why we created it and what was the problem we uh, tried to solve. Uh, you can use any language you like, but uh, as you have bigger and bigger teams and as you have bigger and bigger problems, uh, the challenges of scalability, they come up uh, in different fashion. And what we observed is that uh, once we have more and more error code in WhatsApp, uh, tasting and uh, communication about the code intent, it becomes uh, more and more challenging and difficult. And especially if you onboard new people who may be uh, new people to Erlang, uh, we need to scale up our development. We need to scale uh, to more people, to bigger projects and so on and so on. And there are different solutions uh, you can use, you can employ and Basically, we followed uh, previous solutions, which I used at Meta, uh, some success stories, uh, Hack and HHVM and PHP, uh, Facebook went from untyped, dynamically typed PHP to statically typed PHP, a uh, very similar story for JavaScript and Flow and TypeScript from uh, Microsoft. Uh, right now we see a boom of different type checkers for Python. Uh, so basically we were trying to solve the same problems as other type checkers. Uh, the main problem or the main challenge I would say it's uh, speeding up development and providing more confidence when you work with your code. So it's useful when you edit your code and you can see uh, type errors or you can see hints right away in your editor. So this was uh, the primary goal of uh, us introducing this type checker. And there are many, many interesting technical things I can talk about uh, how it's implemented, what it can do, what it cannot do, uh, what's the main uh, like design choices we made and so on. But the main problem we tried to solve is to make uh, our developers more productive and us being able to scale up the development. Yeah, and if you have any technical questions, I would be happy to answer them in any order. 
So I think one of the big questions that will always come from sort of the Erlang and Elixir audiences is, but what about Dialyzer? Yes. That's probably the first yes. one that comes to mind. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people are hoping that the answer will be, well, it's just better than Dialyzer. And it's not because Dialyzer is bad, but Dialyzer can be a bit of a pain to work with, both in the kind of information it gives and for one thing, it's not all that fast. So does it answer any of those uh, those problems? Uh, yes, yes. So probably uh, I would like to talk a little bit about the story of Dialyzer because we really needed to go into the details of Dialyzer uh, while we were working on, uh, on our type checker. So as you may know, in the beginning, uh, after the first releases, the Erlang OTP uh, distribution, it had uh, no types in terms of, uh, it, it didn't have any types uh, in the syntax. So everything was dynamically typed and there were no way uh, to annotate anything. And later, the ELISA was introduced as static analysis tool. And uh, it went uh, with something which later became a motor, Dialyzer is never wrong. Uh, and it explains uh, the overall design choice how Dialyzer was created. So Dialyzer in the beginning uh, and later is the same. Uh, Dialyzer is able to find some uh, bad things in your code. It may find uh, that code, it may find uh, particular places uh, when your code goes wrong. Uh, so it's useful uh, because it can provide you some signal. Uh, and the design choice of Dialyzer was that it doesn't want to be noisy at all. So if it says something, it's better to, to listen to the signal. Uh, so in a sense, we can say that uh, the, Dialyzer, the Dialyzer's view of the world is that by default, your code is correct and good until the Eliza can find any bad thing about it. The upside of this is that if it provides some signal, this signal is useful. You should pay attention to the signal. The downside of this is that uh, it doesn't provide any guarantees about your code. So if there is no signal from the Eliza, it does not mean that everything uh, is okay. So it just means that the Eliza wasn't able to find anything bad about your code. Uh, and there are many other tools uh, on the market which follow the same uh, design choice, uh, basically almost all static analyzers for different languages. And uh, Infer is one of the static analyzers produced by, by Facebook. On the contrary, type checkers, they, uh, they take very different partition. Uh, they consider your code by default as bad code. And then they try to prove that your code is good. And if the type checker is able to prove that your code is good, it means that it can provide some guarantees. It means that some errors are eliminated, that you wouldn't have uh, particular types of errors in runtime. What these errors can and cannot be, it's also a very big spectrum and it may depend 
on a particular type checker, but it's a different view of the world is that if I use type checker, then I can have some guarantees about my code. And uh, this is the difference between uh, dialyzer and equalizer. So coming back to the origins of dialyzer. Uh, first, uh, it was static analysis tool, which uh, tried to produce a useful signal about your code. And later, uh, the authors of dialyzer, they proposed uh, to extend the syntax of Erlang programming language with types. So it was possible to write uh, specs for your functions, basically to communicate the intent of how this function should be used. And we can see that uh, the same thing happened to many other programming languages. It happened to Python, it happened to Lisp before Erlang, and it's still used in common Lisp the same ways that there are just some annotations. They are not checked, they are not taken into account at all. Uh, and these type annotations proposed by the authors of Dialyzer, uh, first of all, they were used by Dialyzer uh, to provide more useful signal or to account for more intention in your programs. Uh, but one thing is that uh, in the heart of Dialyzer, there is this notion of success typing. Uh, success typing is a way to minimize false positives during program analysis. And specs may be useful for this success typing, but the, but the overall situation is that Dialyzer, by default, it does not check that your specs and your code uh, do not diverge. So it's very simple to provide very, like very small examples when for people it would be obvious that the spec and code, they diverge, but Dialyzer wouldn't say anything because it's not able to find uh, very good proof that your code is incorrect. And in our code base, it may be a problem if you have these specs and specs can be considered as kind of documentation. They probably the best documentation because uh, you use some formal syntax, you use very well-defined language uh, for this documentation. And people rely on this documentation a lot because it's right here in your code. And probably the worst thing which can happen is that your documentation is lying to you. So uh, one of the reasons of Equalizer is that Equalizer uh, can ensure that your documentation in form of types and specs and your implementation, that they do not diverge. Yeah, so that to me is is the primary value in, in the primary weakness of dialyzer is it's when when the um, when the code base after the code base is created the first time, then um, you know then that then then it's your maintenance mode in any kind of diversion is is a lie, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a comment if it's a um, if it's module documentation or 
more importantly, a type spec. It's all the same thing. It's uh, reducing the overhead of the programmer of having to manage this when, when the compiler can do it for you. Yes, yes. One thing uh, Equalizer can provide is it can make sure that your documentation in the form of types and specs and your code, they do not diverge. And it's, uh, and it's extremely important for programmers coming from other backgrounds, like for a Python programmer or for uh, a programmer from this uh, some background, for example, in Haskell or in Scala. So, because right now we have more and more different languages, people may have different expectations. And one of the expectations is that your documentation, your types shouldn't go wrong, shouldn't go against your code. Yeah, this is really cool. Um, so per, I've, I've spent most of my time in the world of dynamic programming. Um, types are types to me seem like, oh, this is just extra work I have to do. Programs can be fine, but I've played with some languages that are, that have great compilers that yell at you. Elixir does yell at you a bit. Things like crystal Lang definitely won't even let the code run, which I learned to appreciate over time. Um, uh, a couple of questions on your team, when you turn this thing on, uh, what did you learn? And then also I'd be curious to hear about the, um, what, how does your code have to change to take advantage of, um, of Equalizer? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I think I can share a little bit, uh, because we have already shared this, for example, uh, in CodeBeam talk about uh, faster dialyzer. So before journey for Equalizer, in WhatsApp, we adopted Dialyzer uh, a few years ago. So uh, because of this, uh, people started paying more attention to specs, to types in their code. Uh, they found that it's useful. And they relied on this a lot. But because Dialyzer does not check uh, types uh, in the first place, it seemed to me that different people may have different interpretations in their heads what this particular type meant. And we saw this in different code reviews or in different questions like why Dialyzer thinks that this is wrong or why he thinks that this is not wrong and so on and so on. I can say, first of all, is that when you enable Equalizer, uh, you may see a different range of type errors. Uh, there are some very, very obvious type errors you can see and you would agree that, yeah, these types or this documentation is wrong and it's better to fix. First of all, uh, you would get uh, more precision in your types and in, in your specs. And this is uh, what usually uh, people do first. And I would say code base because of this becomes more readable and more navigable. Uh, just to clarify the meaning of the types and the intent of the types. The second thing I have observed is probably is that uh, in some places, people start to think, what, what is the real intent of this code? Because with dynamically typed languages, and especially with this lettered crash philosophy or happy path paradigm, you may have some wobbly places uh, where it should be okayish uh, in 99% of cases, 
but there may be some off case. And what should happen in this off case? And the type checker can at least spot these places and people start discussing whether we should have undefined here or whether we should not have undefined here. So I think that when you start discussing your code, having some tool which provides concrete feedback, it's more actionable rather than just uh, hand waving discussion. So I would say that in code reviews and in other different discussions, uh, Equalizer is able to make the discussion more concrete and more actionable. And then uh, the third thing I was able to observe is that because specs and types are used inside OTP uh, to document API, you may see that some API can be improved, that not everything uh, goes in the same way. Uh, one particular example is that some functions inside OTP, they return either okay something or error something. Other functions may return, for example, binary or error. And if you would like to work with uh, happy paths in the same way everywhere, Sometimes it may be very, very problematic because uh, the OTP distribution doesn't provide, I would say, consistent view of successful, of successes and failures. So when you have this signal view, you, you, you just may see that some API is very, very wrong. Yeah, and uh, it also provides, it, it also sparks some discussions about whether it should be improved, whether we need to create some more type safe wrappers and so on and so on. Yeah, so you said so much there that's kind of blowing my mind. I'm, I'm sure that, that the same is happening for Steven and Lars. Um, one of the things that was interesting was that, that you said that the beams let it crash protects us so well <laughs> that sometimes things sneak through that shouldn't. It's funny, there are a couple of uh, conference speakers that have been very influential to me. One is the late, great Joe Armstrong. And the other one is David Turner of Miranda fame. And they had very opposing views of, of how you got, yes. how, how you, how you, how you got the best reliability. Right. And David Turner, it was all about the type system and the algebra behind the type system. And Joe Armstrong was all about protecting yourself at runtime mm. for things that you couldn't predict that would go wrong. And what you're saying is both. <laughs> and that, yeah, that yeah, about uh... blew me up just now, just, my head's blowing up. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, I also would like to talk a little bit about this let it crash philosophy because uh, with the type checker or this other static analysis tool. So first of all, I agree uh, maybe 80% uh, that, yeah, for Beam and for Erlang-like languages, uh, let it crash uh, is useful, good paradigm. But then the next question, let, let it crash. But when? Sooner or later? Because uh, sometimes when you crash later, it may be okay and it may be very, very useful uh, during development because you don't want to be very, very defensive when you are prototyping the things. And you, you may not want to close all uh, possible file handles right now. And you would like to polish the things later when you're finalizing your prototype. But in production, 
probably you don't want to send uh, some unexpected message to remote node in a way that this remote node wouldn't expect this message. So probably in runtime, you want to let it crash as soon as possible to see the errors. And when we consider some API calls, which may return a success or a failure, probably in production, I would like to pattern match, or I would like to just to assume that this is my success right now. And not all the API is great for this in Erlang. For example, if uh, a function returns okay or error, you can pattern match right away. But if it returns a binary or an error top or an error tuple, then there is no beautiful or concise way to express that I expect success here. Yeah, so even this uh, letter crash philosophy and happy path paradigm, uh, there are nuances. And you can let it crash right now, or you can delay this crash. And uh, as you have more and more people on your project, and as you have more and more code, one of the lessons is that if you crash uh, too late, it may be too expensive to fix uh, the error in the first place. Yeah, and I love the idea that you can encapsulate some of these ideas in your type system that you have more tools in the bag than just the um, just the native types that you can kind of go beyond to um, to type specs and behaviors and function types. We could start to dig into the benefits of the functional algebras have, have had over all these years. I, I love this direction. Yeah, so equality to some extent, it stays uh, on this view of what it crash in a sense that it doesn't require you, for example, to uh, to have all the clauses uh, for your declared types, because this is uh, very often what happens in Erlang programs, that it's okay to have some unmatched clauses. So it was a design choice in the very beginning that we don't want to provide noise about this. And it's also uh, for equalizer okay if you may have some dead branches in your code. And here we can say uh, probably dialyzer may find such dead branches. So we also uh, try to design equalizer in a way that both equalizer and dialyzer may be friends in a sense that first of all, they do not, they do not contradict each other. We hope so. Uh, and also we try to not repeat the work of dialyzer in some cases. So a practical question, how yes. done is this? How mature is it? Can people start using it? Uh, can you elaborate more on your question? So uh, I know there's an open source repository. Is it yeah. ready to use? Can people just start putting this in their CI now? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I would say that technically the internals of Equalizer, they are ready to use and they were battle tested uh, for quite some time inside WhatsApp. Uh, we don't have much documentation as of now. And we are working on providing more documentation. And my only excuse would be is that we tried to open source it as soon as possible, just to start the process. And so we would incrementally add uh, more instructions, uh, more documentation, and so on. I've seen that a uh, few people use it, and I watched some 
uh, commits on GitHub. Uh, one of my one of my favorite was uh, listen to Equalizer in some project when people just uh, fixed the specs. So we plan to make it uh, more usable and more easy. Yeah. So basically, we we are going to provide more instru more instructions and more documentation this month and next month. Uh, TLDR is that internals are battle tested and I'm quite confident that uh, they are useful. Uh, documentation will come uh, very, very soon. Very, very soon. Very cool. Are there things people can do to help? That's a good, that, that's a good question. That's a good question. I think that for example, once we help with working through that documentation or is, uh, is there something else that you'd love to see people try with it? Anything in particular that you'd be curious to have people weigh in on? Yeah, I think, yeah. So this month we will uh, release some initial documentation and I think uh, feed feedback uh, would be useful. And especially if there are some missed places or something isn't explained and people have questions, uh, we would be happy to clarify the things. And yeah, and once uh, we have more detailed instructions, we are eager for uh, forgetting bug reports or to or forgetting questions why Equalizer works this way or another way. Uh, I've seen that some probably most curious people, they figured out this on their own. Yeah, but uh, we are working on making it, uh, let's say more accessible in the very, very nearest future. Sounds smart. And I think it's perfectly reasonable that you release it early and make sure to get it out there. Uh, but it's always good to hear that documentation is on the way. Uh, with our particular audience, I know we're going to get this question. Uh, can we use it with Elixir? And I know you answered this in F your FAQ, but we might as well touch on it in this podcast. Uh, otherwise, we will yeah. get questions. <clears throat> yes. Yes. So I think... From my personal point of view, the biggest value uh, we get out from this open sourcing is that it's not only implementation, uh, it's technical part, it's uh, algorithms that we use uh, inside Equalizer. And uh, from the point of view of this algorithmic part, I would say that there is not the difference between Erlang and Elixir, from the point of view of type checking, is not so big. So the same algorithms may be applied to Elixir. Model of some uh, technical differences. One of uh, probably the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge would be to support protocols in Elixir, but it's kind of solved problem because typed closure because closure has protocols and there is typed closure and it does support protocols. So I may talk a little bit about uh, like the scientific foundations of our work. So uh, we use local type inference. This is currently the main paradigm uh, for languages with subtyping. Uh, we use local type inference and the uh, starting point for what we do is spec you have for a function so we take the spec and then we go roughly speaking line by line through your code and we are able to infer 
uh, information about types of different expressions and types of different variables. Uh, we use uh, a particular uh, direction of this uh, local inference uh, mechanism. It's called bidirectional type checking, but uh, in a sense, it's just uh, a local type inference. We have some novelty in how we uh, see Erlang types and how we work, for example, with generics and how we work, we work with message passing can be also have uh, two modes in our type check, a strict mode when we provide all the guarantees and this mode is sound and we have gradual mode, uh, which allows you to adopt uh, static typing step-by-step step, uh, or function by function or module by module. And I think that this algorithmic part is translatable to Elixir uh, very easily. Uh, and I would say that I would not try to apply equalizer to Elixir as is. So we know that Elixir is compiled or is transpiled into Erlang first. Uh, you can try to use equalizer on the result of this compilation, but I would say it wouldn't be very idiomatic because what we have in equalizer is that equalizer works on top of original Erlang KST. It provides uh, very precise error messages pointing you to particular expression in your, in your code and it speaks your language. It uses the same type aliases that you introduce in your code, it uses the same types. Uh, because types may also be translated uh, from Elixir to Erlang, you can try to run equalizer on this result of compilation I think it wouldn't be very user-friendly in general case, but it's possible just to take these algorithms and to adapt them to Elixir plus uh, implementing this part for protocol. And I think in this case, uh, it would be the best of two worlds. Yeah, so the short answer is that I don't think it would be a good idea to apply equalizer to Elixir as is, but with a little bit of love and work, uh, the same technique can be adapted uh, to Elixir. That's a nice big invitation to build something, I'm hearing. Uh, you mentioned type checking and message passing there. Yes. That raises some questions for me. I'm, sudden, I'm very curious about that. Is there anything particular going on there or is it mostly checking the callbacks essentially? Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's a good question. So as we know, uh, in the surface language of Erlang, uh, you cannot specify uh, what you expect for processors to receive or to send. Basically, everything about message passing, uh, the very low level details, uh, they are not supported in any way in the surface uh, syntax of Erlang. In terms of types, you, the processes are not typed in Erlang. Uh, so, for this reason, and also based on the literature, that uh, if you would like to go with uh, full blown typing for processes, it would be quite complicated and not very user friendly. So, for this reason, uh, we made this design choice. Uh, in strict mode, when we provide guarantees, everything you receive. Uh, in the current process. It has the type term, like 
everything that you can uh, receive and it's your uh, responsibility to try to pattern match to try to reveal and to try to uh, assert as much as possible at runtime in strict mode the most defensive mode in gradual mode uh, we use the special type dynamic which is very very optimistic about what you receive from the wire so dynamic is a special type very similar to any in typescript uh dynamic and hack and so on so in gradual mode for message uh passing we just assume that uh, you understand what you receive uh inside your process are there any things that you have sort of had to cut from scope that you're particularly excited about to work on next for for equalizer just are there are there things in the horizon that you personally have your eye on or is it mostly does it mostly contain what you want it to contain i think in the current form it solves most of our problems and challenges that we have uh we have small things to polish here and there uh internal users they they ask some questions about whether things can be improved and whether the language of types the surface language of types can be improved uh because uh you know that uh this language of types in Erlang it uh, is the same for almost 10 years from now and people coming from for example flow background or typescript background or from other languages they may want to have uh more more expressive types uh, one of the particular one of particular examples is that, for example, behaviors when we specify callbacks, uh, behaviors are not parameterized. For example, for GenServer, uh, it's very common to have a particular type for your state in every implementation of this GenServer, but it's not expressible in the current language of types, and because of this, uh, you don't have enough expressivity so th this this is one of the things another thing is uh to provide more precision when working with maps uh in other languages so the thing is that in erlang we have maps and people use them very differently in different situations uh one use case is that people use maps as just dictionaries uh having key value pairs let's say from binary to pids and in other situations uh people may use maps as lightweight records when there is a set of literal keys and uh corresponding values and while in runtime the same mechanism is used from the people's point of view these are very different types the syntax of these types may be improved. Uh, it's, uh, it's the thing which usually happens with such kind of tools is that once you tried it and it works for you, you start wanting more. So some of our users, they want more expressivity with types. Uh, some of our users, yeah, it, it depends. People are different. Some people may want more safety and to be more defensive and more restrictive some people uh, would like to have 
more like more understanding of some Erlang paradigms in the first place. But yeah, uh, I, I would say it provokes a lot of uh, different discussions, a lot of different discussions. So you, you have internal people going, ah, can you just add more more sort of uh, expressive types to Erlang? That'd be great, thanks. That's, I mean, that's a sign of a successful successful bit of code, right? Where people are like, this is great. Can it do this additional things? And I love that it opens up um, new ways of looking at existing code, right? Like this is good, but now that I know this, can it be more expressive? Can it be um, just better? So that's awesome. Yes, thanks yeah. for your work on yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap. Uh, we've we've talked for a good a good amount of time. Uh, I'm sure there's much more that we could dig into. Is there anywhere people could get in touch with you about Equalizer? Is it mostly the GitHub repo? Is it there somewhere else where you'd rather have discussions? Because I'm sure there are people that know tons more about type systems than any of us on this in this conversation that would love to pick your brain a bit about this. Yeah. So first of all, there would be an ICFP Erlang workshop talk in September uh, about Equalizer. So if you uh, if you can come to, come to Ljubljana, Slovenia in September, uh, I would I would love to talk. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my nickname is Lambda Mix. Uh, you may uh, you may ask some questions in forms in, in a form of issues on GitHub. If there is some demand, probably we can open uh, there is new thing uh, discussions on GitHub. If there is in, if there is an interest, uh, I think we can open this uh, for Equalizer. Thank you so much for coming on the show and. What's the sign off, Stephen? Do you remember? It's been a bit of a break. It's been a bit of a break. Uh, we can go with thanks for tuning in to Beam Radio. It's been it's been way too long. Edit, edit, Maggie, cut no, cut this it is all. Staying cut, in. Cut, Come on, cut that, cut that, cut it all, <laughs> cut it all. Thanks for tuning in to Beam Radio. Make sure you check us out next time. And special thanks to our sponsor, Groxio Career Fuel for Programmers. They got a plug early on, but we love them and. Uh, Thanks for the sponsorship. Thank you so much for coming on, Ilya. It's been a great yeah. conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me.